Get ready to rumble. Chilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes R.J. Haman, Director of Government Relations and Communications at the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And R.J., welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Yeah, thanks, Robert, for having me on. I want to go very briefly to something that I saw that really bothers me because I use Slack in a number of places in my professional life and personal life, and I saw a story from FAIR that Slack had banned you. What happened? Uh, yeah, just a, a absolute wild thing. You know, we've seen, you know, Elon Musk and others rightfully, you know, shine a light on on people, you know, these, these platforms suppressing free speech on, on a lot of social media stuff, obviously, like Twitter and and Facebook, where you know people like even the President of the United States have been banned, but this is especially dangerous with Slack being a you know an internal worksite communications platform. And Rob, you know what happened out of the blue? Uh, Dan Stein, our president, gets almost a, an automated-looking email saying that Slack has terminated Fair's platform, and all our data is gone. Six years of internal communications files, calendars, you name it, is all totally gone. Um, and, you know, we looked in and we looked at, you know, viola- like what we did potentially. It said, you know, we violated their terms of service and, and their, their agreements. And if you look at it, one thing in there said is, you know, we don't take any people who incite violence or hatred against individuals or groups. And, and we, we shared this with folks in the media and in other similar organizations that it did get coverage. Now, what Slack did, though, is they responded via a PR firm to, I think, the Washington Free Beacon who broke the story where they said fair is we did terminate them. They don't adhere to our values because they're associated with a hate group. And granted, we've been called a hate group for decades by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is funded by very far left groups of George Soros, just trying to, you know, belittle, demean and put everybody on the fringe who they disagree with, calling us racist just because we want to enforce our immigration laws. And for them to, to do that, and, and you know, Rob, the other interesting component here is that this comes across uh, after comes on very interesting timing, I'll put it that way, with you had the Department of Homeland Security with their disinformation board. And, you know, the week before, the week prior, the Department of Homeland Security issued an NTAS bulletin, which is a, a notice of potential terrorism. It's like a warning to local law enforcement and the general public that people, extreme parties, you know, could be using border security, you know, as a way to commit, you know, acts of terrorism. So it, we're, we have so many questions here, I'll put it like that, and we've you know, made folks aware on Capitol Hill and you know, legal representation as well, is you know, why are they grouping, you know, again, a group like us that does it by the book the right way? You know, we are viewed as a five-star you know, charity. We, mm-hmm. We've had the IRS audit us. You know, we do everything the right way. They're trying to group us with these, these fringe beliefs just because they have a different worldview. So, I mean, again, it's just a warning that just go out to so many people. Again, it's not just public stuff, you know, Twitter, Facebook and everything. 
they're even coming after our ability to operate as an organization and communicate internally. It's just absolutely outrageous. Yeah, that's very troublesome, and particularly in light of the fact that it means they were monitoring your communications. I mean, for them to have taken action against you means they were looking at what you were saying, and I guess maybe that's in their contract. No, I mean, it's not. I mean, that's one thing that they say in their contract. You know, we're hopeful that, I mean, again, the only reason why they did it, not saying hopeful or, or giving any validity to what they did, I mean, as they say, yeah, we don't monitor anything. We don't look at any communication. But, I mean, Rob, it's all, you know, all six years of, of data, it's gone. Where is it? I mean, did it disappear? Mm-hmm. Was it deleted? Are they holding on to it? Are they looking at it? Do they want to release it? It's just, we, again, we have so many questions. And, again, it's just a warning signal that, you know, anybody kind of on the right, you know, that are in the eyes of these Silicon Valley types, you know, need, need to be aware of stuff like this happening. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, even if you're with a pretty good faith tech vendor or platform that you're using, they all get acquired. They all get sucked up. And, and Salesforce by this guy, Mark Benoit, who's one of the most far left uh, Silicon Valley people, purchased Slack. So again, he's corrupted what was a very great platform that, you know, assisted us and, and many other companies and political organizations, you know, at the height of COVID, you know, being able to communicate in, in, a, in a great manner, in a very convenient way. That's gone. And, and again, it's, it, it, this is all by design. I mean, again, they wanted to try to harm our ability to actually do our job and, and to make sure that, again, this border crisis is addressed and educate the public on, on what policymakers up here in Washington are doing. And I'm not going to say they succeeded. Again, we've, we've adjusted accordingly. But again, we're not going to let them get off the hook with, with doing what they did. And we're going to make sure the public is aware of what they did to us and what they could do to them down the line. Indeed, and I know this is not the end of the story, so we'll pick it up when there's more news. <laughs> RJ, let's go to the May numbers because uh, they're worse than ever, and it seems like every time we talk, the numbers are worse than ever. What were the May numbers? Yeah, well, so, you know, May was uh, overall a, a record-setting month for the Biden administration. You got record-high gas prices, uh, 40-year-high inflation numbers, and, and as you're alluding to, a record number of illegal aliens encountered at our, encountered at our borders, surpassing Uh, The old record, which is actually set all the way back in April of 2022. Mm. But, you know, even the raw number of what it was, it was 239,416 border encounters. That doesn't tell the full story. Um, In May, you know, CBP apprehended apprehended an unprecedented number of criminals, uh, gang members and lethal drugs pouring across the border that will that will almost certainly lead to a new record in opioid related deaths. So, you know, it's safe to say none of these are the sort of records uh, that the American public were looking for when they elected Joe Biden. In fact, you know, the best thing that can be said about the crisis the president created at the border was that it could have been a whole lot worse, if not for the fact that a, a federal judge blocked his administration's plan to end uh, the Title 42 public health authority last month. And in spite of this mounting disaster, as we see, that gets worse by the month, even in these months that we've always seen a steady drop off because of how hot it gets. President Biden and his cronies steadfastly refuse to change any of the policies that are truly the root cause of the crisis. You know, I'm curious, and I hate to say this, RJ, but it, it almost seems like you might as well just have the uh, ICE and Border Patrol just throw their hands up and open the floodgates. I mean, are they are they doing anything at all that's effective here? Are they stopping people, but then they're sending them right into the center of the country? You know, well, on one hand, I mean, again, you have there's so many, you know, good faith law enforcement, uh, you know, employees at at CBP and at ICE. You know, these guys are they have the hands behind their back. I mean, again, you have the guys that were on the horseback. And I mean, heck, if the Biden administration cared as much about, you know, the border crisis itself and 
and people coming over in mass and drugs pouring into our country as much as they do a bad photo op and not they're investigating it. I think the border crisis would end. But, you know, these guys are in a tough spot. You know, morale is as low yeah. as it's ever been. You know, what the sad part of it here is, you know, we, we kind of joke that and it's not a joke, but, you know, that Customs and Border Protection may as well change its name to Customs and Border Processing. I mean, yeah. you'll you'll see these images of some of these, you know, reporters that are a lot of them are, are just doing it on their own. And they're from smaller outlets or they're you know just kind of, you know, free reporters that are that are trying to you know, pawn off the images that they find and, and, and the data that they uncover. But the media is like not really covering it. I mean, there, again, there's images of, you know, you'll have one border patrol officer with a clipboard and he's got, you know, a hundred migrants right in front of him. And all they're doing is processing, putting them on buses and they're transported up in American communities, often in the dead of night on a uh, charter flight. But again, this is distracting, you know, these officers from actually doing their job. When you're, you know, a Border Patrol team down there in a sector, okay, and there's four or five of you, and you guys are just standing there so consumed in processing people, you're not doing your actual job, okay? You're not actually there, you know, seizing drugs and preventing people from coming into the country. You're just standing there at a line and checking the box. I mean, it's just they're not doing what the agencies were created to do. And again, the American people are, are rightfully outraged, and there are folks on Capitol Hill that are as well, and hopefully there is an election result, the, the way the winds are blowing, we're hopeful that there'll be a check on a lot of this just really terrible activity that is causing the crisis and making it worse. What do the demographics tell us? Because the mainstream media tries to uh, imply in the reporting, these are families and young people, but what are the, the perhaps uh, male versus female, single versus family? Well, you know, one thing that's interesting on the Title 42 front is, as we always do point out, you know, Biden administration, the one like saving grace to this, is they kept Title 42 in place. But one thing, they didn't keep Title 42 fully in place. You know, one of the things they did kind of right out the gate is they said, okay, family, family units, okay, so a group that claims they are a family, keyword claims, because keep in mind a lot of these people throw away their identification and we take them as their, uh, by their word. And unaccompanied minors are exempt from being expelled under Title 42. The only people who can be expelled are single adult males. So, you know, that sends a message loud and clear to both the cartels and traffickers, the people who are doing the business and, and are advertising in a lot of these Central American countries that encourage, you know, many migrants to come up here. They're saying, all right, if you want to really get that ticket right in, okay, come as a family unit, even if you're lying and you're appearing to be a family or send your child up on the treacherous journey and they'll get placed with a relative or something, you know, in the country. So they've adapted accordingly. But again, we're still, we're still seeing there are still single adult males and everything who are being transported into the country because the Biden administration has no interest or the resources in detaining them and then being able to remove them. So, again, there's so many loopholes in, in, the, in, the, in the deeply flawed system that the Biden administration, you know, continues to exploit. But again, it, it, we, we've seen this for decades, okay, these the, the migrants themselves and, and the people that enable their journey up journey up here adapt based on what uh, those in charge of our laws do, and 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 they've succeeded greatly. They've lined the pockets of, of cartels. I mean, you know, the, the, we always point out again how the the drug crisis and the, the the border crisis are inextricably linked. I mean, you have when cartels' pockets are being lined by you know illegal entry into this country, that enables them to transport drugs better, to acquire more lethal narcotics and, and to 
you know, really expand their business operations. So it's just a disaster all around. You mentioned the illegal narcotics. I would imagine the recent numbers, whatever we have of drugs seized is also astronomical, which, which implies also that a lot of drugs are getting through. Yeah, you know, in May, and again, the, it, it was interesting to see some people on the other side tout this, you know, in May that OCBP seized 46,796 pounds of drugs. So they got it. Well, they didn't get it all. Okay, they're so bogged down. That's it. That's great. I'm glad that we were able to seize, you know, nearly 50,000 pounds of drugs. That's great. You know, those are drugs that won't come into American communities. But it goes to show again how bogged down they are. What didn't we seize? And, you know, fentanyl seizures continue to climb, uh, totaling over, I believe, 7,700 pounds since the start of the fiscal year. I don't have the number in front of me, but that would kill hundreds of millions of Americans. And, and according to the CDC, the most recent numbers, they only do them yearly. Okay, the U.S. recently recorded its highest number of drug overdose deaths in a 12-month period, eclipsing 108,000 for the first time. I mean, since January, CBP seized over 21,200 pounds of cocaine. You know, meth seizures are on the rise, nearly 120,000 pounds of meth in just eight months. I mean, these numbers are, are absolutely through the roof, but it's, it's a direct result of, of our border authorities, again, being so bogged down in processing migrants. Is there any indication, you mentioned how many people could be killed, that any person or entity has schemed to put this fentanyl into the water supply somewhere or somehow mass distribute it in a terrorist act? No, I mean, but that, that, is, that is certainly a, a possibility. And I think, you know, there was another recent report as well of there were, you know, I think around 20 uh, migrants that were on the terror watch list that were apprehended. And again, you know, it's the other side always likes to point out, OK, well, you know, we seized these drugs. We apprehended those terrorists. So, I mean, let's be real. Are you telling me, you know, that we're, we're at 100 percent rate on, on both of those? No, we're not. You know, if the fact that that could even be reported shows that there, that there are so many who are coming through. And the other thing on the number that, that is just, you know, again, so important to point out here is that border encounter numbers don't include those who got away from immigration authorities. So, you know, that 240,000 or so number isn't the, doesn't tell the entire story. I mean, CBP sources, you know, again, the, the good faith people behind the scenes there that are just holding their nose at, at what they're doing quietly revealed to the media that there have been 440,000, they're called known gotaways at the border. And those are people that they've seen, whether it's through, you know, camera footage or as they were apprehending another group, those are the people that they know got away from them. And that doesn't even include people that aren't known gotaways. So again, these numbers don't tell the entire picture. People are coming into our country en masse and there's no sign of it stopping anytime soon. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast with RJ Haman continues in just a moment. Support this podcast online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and, in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, 
but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at Borderhawknews on Twitter. Shilling Show Unleashed. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. We continue with R.J. Hammond, Director of Government Relations and Communications at the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Earlier in the conversation, you alluded to flights, and I know there's a new campaign called Stop the Night Flights. What are the night flights? Yeah, well, these night flights, I mean, you're seeing it around the country of, of you know, the Biden administration clandestinely flying thousands of illegal aliens on these secret, you know, nighttime flights across America. And we're, what we're trying to tell people is that, you know, your community may be one of the locations where these flights are landing or it may be one of the next destinations. And, you know, the question is, you know, why is the administration trying to carry out this plot discreetly? Why won't they be open and transparent? You know, why don't they actually secure our borders and enforce their immigration laws? So, you know, what we're trying to do, and we put this ad up and in, in, in a lot of areas where we've seen the flights have been going and, and other uh, states that we know are our top destinations for even people going up on their own. You know, we want people to demand transparency from the administration and get together to stop these flights. So, you know, we've said, if, you know, if you have any information about these secret flights or, or legal aliens being resettled in your community, you know, on, on our webpage at fairus.org, leave a comment, bring awareness to others. And, you know, for their privacy, the comments will just appear with their initials and we'll, we'll be able to shine a light on it public, but also run it behind the scenes. And we've also said, you know, if you've got video or photo evidence of these secret flights, you send us a link or, or the, or the, uh, the actual file at it's called night flight alert at fairus.org or on our Facebook account via messenger. And again, we'll, you know, protect everybody's uh, privacy by censoring any identifiable, identifiable features. But again, we're just trying to use, you know, these reports to really alert the public about these flights. And again, demand transparency from the administration and, and urge them to stop doing uh, these night flights. Is there any opportunity to use Freedom of Information Act to get more information on this program? Yeah, no, I mean, it's something I can't you know, can share the details on. But okay. again, you know, our, our legal arm early is so it's very, very great on the investigative front. I know Heritage Foundation is doing a lot of great work as well. But yeah, we're trying to seek additional information on a lot of the shady activities uh, that the Biden administration is doing, not only on the night flights, but again, on, on, on every aspect of them dismantling our borders and immigration enforcement uh, in the interior of the country. Do we know if there's been any notice given to state and or local authorities when they're shipping in uh, loads of illegal aliens? Yeah, you know, from what we gather, no. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of governors who have been caught off guard, especially local governments that had no clue. You know, this is a big collusion uh, between the federal government and a lot of these uh, publicly funded, you know, private charities, you know, Catholic charities and other, you know, NGOs that get funded a lot by the State Department and the United Nations. So this is a very globalist endeavor as well to enable um, irregular migration into the United States of America. So again, that's the other thing we're trying to get to the bottom of. We want to know how these organizations are being funded. Are they using taxpayer dollars to help transport and resettle a lot of these economic migrants who are improperly using a system to illegally immigrate into the country. There's, there's so much that could be uncovered again. And that's why, again, we're hopeful that 
Republicans take back one of or both chambers, hopefully, of Congress that, you know, we'll be able to do some aggressive oversight, do some subpoenas and maybe treat the border crisis like the other parties treated January 6th. There's also an issue with parole abuse. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. the process and what's going on. Yeah, well, parole is a is a manner to allow you know people into the country, though, on a case-by-case basis. And it's been used in mass. I mean, mm-hmm. Secretary Mayorkas has abused his humanitarian parole authority to allow in big loads of, of, of Afghans and Ukrainians who we can't properly vet. I mean, let's be real. What are you supposed to do? Call up the, you know, the American embassy in, in Kabul or, or, or communicate with the Taliban on getting a criminal background check on a an Afghan who's coming here? And let's be real, too. On the Afghan front, there's only a small group of Afghans who actually assisted U.S. troops, I mean, that were being translators and everything. And they're just trying to act like every person that luckily got on those flights can come here because they assisted, you know, the United States military. They didn't. And same thing on the Ukraine front. There were so many Ukrainians that were showing up at our border that actually, you know, when you're leaving, and this is why, again, we're saying that they're abusing the grounds for humanitarian parole. The moment, if you're truly parole eligible, okay, the moment you leave a war zone or, or the country you're fleeing and you get across your border into another country, you're safe then. I mean, you know, like when a Ukrainian gets into Poland, they should stop there. Then they can mm-hmm. return when conditions return to normal. If you're able to fly, if you have enough money in your pocket as a Ukrainian where you're able to fly to a Mexican tourist destination, okay, a country that Americans vacation to, you can fly from Europe to Cancun. And then make your way up to the border and you get paroled into the country as an asylum seeker. It's just that's not how our system is meant to work. And and it's being so widely abused. It seems to me we have an unprecedented situation here with just dumping people from all over the world, unvetted uh, into the United States of America. Have we ever seen anything even remotely like this? No, I mean, I I can't think of a, a single instance like this. And I mean. You know, even if you look back at the 9-11 hijackers who came in there through, you know, more traditional legal methods, okay, and they still were able to slip through the cracks. Now that they have this new abuse and, and you have, again, the authorities are so bogged down in being able to, to truly vet these people. And they're basically, again, just rubber stamping claims as they come in. You know, what the Biden administration is trying to do, too, though, is just make it even easier. I mean, you know, when, when these, a lot of these people are apprehended, they have to go through the asylum process, okay? And given the fact that immigration courts are so backlogged, it often takes two to three years for their claims to be adjudicated. Well, you know, we know a lot of them won't even show up at their court hearings. They'll just disappear into the country because they know darn well that, the, that ICE isn't really even deporting anybody. They're, they'll put out a press release occasionally that, oh, we, you know, apprehended and deported 30 migrants, okay? I mean, there's tens of millions that are here. So they know it's just like, hey, why do I even have to go through the process? You know, I'll just disappear into the country, live in the shadows, as they say, even though they could easily get jobs and they're hopeful that a future Democratic administration or Congress will give them amnesty down the line. So, again, the the process has been totally corrupted. The Biden administration, what they want to do is they don't even want them to have to disappear into the country. I mean, they want asylum officers, not immigration judges, to be able to quickly rubber stamp claims down there at the border. They're doing a regulation that would kind of accomplish that. So, again, I mean, we're trying to to stop it, you know, via the courts and and folks of Capitol Hill through whatever manner uh, humanly possible. I'd like to talk about Democrats visiting the border. And it seems to me in our previous conversations over the years that the Democrats have been absent. I don't hear any of them talking about it, but was that change recently? No, I mean, you know, there's a group of Democrats in the congressional committee that went down and they were only 
going down to the Rio Grande Valley, I think, to look at, you know, economic conditions or something. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, yeah, that's important. But, you know, what is driving a lot of the, the problems down there in that area? It's the border crisis. They're totally ignoring it. You know, Joe Biden hasn't been down to the border yet. Neither has Kamala Harris, the so-called border czar. And, you know, looking at her prescriptions for the problem is absolutely absurd. The other week, you know, she announced that to address the root causes, as she calls it, the irregular migration that's currently underway, that she got a bunch of private companies to come together and commit to investing $1.9 billion in economic development in corrupt Central American countries. Now, will that do anything? For a variety of reasons, no. I mean, well, first, it could line the pockets of, again, very corrupt governments uh, in the region. But, I mean, let's be real. Is is the gap, you know, suddenly committing to building a, you know, 800-employee denim factory in Central America, is that going to stop people from coming up here? Come on. No, it won't. So where do we go from here? Um, I'm curious if uh, FAIR or other organizations have put together a model legislation that could be enacted or, or worked on as soon as the uh, houses change over in leadership. Yeah, no, we're, we're very active on Capitol Hill right now. We have the largest ever you know, immigration coalition that's been formed, urging House Republicans and, and those in the Senate as well to, to be ready to have some shovel-ready legislation out the gate that will truly end the crisis. But I mean, they you know, on Capitol Hill, they got to do three things. Again, first, you put a border security bill on the floor immediately, you know, when the 118th Congress uh, gets underway that addresses the crisis. And if the Democrats don't want to vote for it or the Biden administration or President Biden doesn't want to end up signing it, then it's firmly on them. And then two other areas, too, you got to have aggressive oversight. I mean, you form a committee kind of. We did it on Benghazi. You know, Democrats are doing it on January 6th. Get to the bottom of this. You know, see who's causing this crisis and why. Don't let them run away unscathed. And, and lastly, I think most important, Republicans will control the purse strings. Again, you can't be giving blank checks to Secretary Mayorkas and the Department of Homeland Security to let migrants in en masse and, and completely gut our immigration system. And it has no integrity anymore. And, and again, we're hopeful. And Republicans have been screaming from the rooftops about how bad this border crisis is. But then now they're going to have an opportunity to actually address it. And the American people and the people that propelled them into power will be watching. RJ, how can people get more information on what you're doing at FAIR? Again, yeah, everybody go to FAIRUS.org and Federation for American Immigration Reform on Facebook and at FAIR Immigration on Twitter. And again, that's www.FAIRUS.org. And you can learn more about the border crisis, ways to get involved, take action, and, and most importantly, stop the secret night flights. We've got an easy resource on there to make your voice heard. And if you've seen something or you've heard it through the grapevine, let us know and, and we'll make sure it gets the proper attention needed. R.J. Haman, we thank you for your continuing efforts and for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thanks, Rob. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time... <laughs>